Hi, I'm Marina Sirtis, and you're going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. This is Beyond Trek Podcast, your source for Star Trek on social media and around the web. I'm Big J. I'm Watney. And I'm Dag, the Trivia Master. You can find us on Facebook at Beyond Trek Podcast and on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod. A red alert. He just jumped into my lap on the couch. And, and for anyone listening, Curzon is Stag's cat. Oh. <laughs> Curzon. Curzon. You, you've got a cat named Curzon. And a cat named Esri. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. That, that's real cute. You guys well, like my background today? I love it. I love I got it. the, the, the angel Rutherford and the devil badgie. <laughs> that thing freaked me out. I, I don't know. It was I mean, pretty creepy. Y- yeah. It's basically evil Clippy. Evil Clippy. <laughs> I'm What's wrong, Jay? What's wrong, Jay? You wouldn't want a plushie one of those in your house? No, 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 no. Because I, I designed schematics for a plushie. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. I'm going to felt it. It's going to be great. Beautiful. Why am I not surprised? Uh, I wouldn't mind a badgy plushie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sell He's cute. Etsy. Um... I don't know. I thought Badgie was pretty cute, but cause just because they made him so sympathetic, like during the chase. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, Would have been fine. Welcome to Beyond Track Podcast, dear listeners. I'm Watney. I'm, I'm Dag. Shit. I'm Big J. <laughs> we almost had. I think we had two or three intros in a row that we didn't. We didn't mess up. Like I literally was looking at Dag, thinking, "Okay, he's going to talk. He's going to talk." And I think we were both doing that, and soon. Both of us, same time. Shit. You know, do you, do you know, actually, this is okay, because anybody who knows me from the the DSO just knows that I'm on mute all the time, and everybody has to remind me to stop being on mute. It's true. It Dag is, is true. mute. The king of mute. Um, <laughs> it's tradition. Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're today we're talking about episode six of season one of Lower decks terminal provocations um this was i i actually really really loved this episode it was a it was a nice i don't know i didn't really like the episode five too much cupid's air and arrow um but terminal provocations was really well put together and really well produced and really well written and very entertaining so i thought um, the same and we'll we'll talk about we'll mention it when if if it happens but there was a really cool guest star voice in this episode oh okay yes. i, I didn't i didn't about. i didn't get that but we'll when we get there we'll cover it cool. i didn't i didn't hear anything i should have probably but um yeah big j what do you think this one, this one I liked. I, I, I think that there was uh, probably more that was packed into the prior episode. And I, I think that I'm trying not to get into a bad, ha- bad habit of expecting uh, so many references and uh, so forth on this show, because I, I think that at some point it's going to just be its own thing. Um, I think it's great how it's going a little heavy on it now because it's like, you know, really grabbing you and, and pulling you in. But um, just in, in regards to this episode, I, I would have to give it give it a thumbs up on that. And of course, we'll we'll dig in more about it as we as we talk. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, still that whole that f- thing just freaked me out. 
<laughs> yeah, evil, evil combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, for just just to start, I know we usually say this midway through our episodes, but if you're listening to us on Anchor.fm or anywhere you can find us syndicated online in audio format, um, we actually have a YouTube and we discuss things on camera with each other um, with a lovely um, slideshow uh, of the episode by Dag himself. So uh, check us out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can actually see us. Uh, talking together and we do a lot of references to the stuff that we're seeing on the screen and we try yeah. our best to say what we're looking at yeah, to, yeah to describe what's on what we're looking at so that our yeah. audio only folks can understand okay well what in the hell are they talking about and yeah but the sometimes other, the show's so pretty you just have it to is it. it's, it's very pretty it's and, so and uh mm-hmm. this is something i i forgot to uh to bring up we could have mentioned is that for those of you listening only but want to see the video it's the same thing. So if you're hearing us and you think, okay, about an hour in, uh, what were they all laughing at and so forth, then you go to the video on YouTube and it's, it's the same thing. It's, uh, right. just, yeah, that, that, that time code mark it down, mm-hmm. go look. Yeah. It's awesome. Come check us out. Also September 8th. Oh yeah. Star Trek day. Star Trek day. Star Trek day. A few days Lots ago. of panels. Yep. Yeah. Star Trek um, is now officially 54 years wow. old. Wow. Wow, 54. <sighs> and what was that I've, first episode, September 8th, 1966? Uh, the Man Trap? Dag's got it. It was The Man oh. Trap. Yes, The Cage might have was filmed and screened for CBS audiences, but actually did not air in the U.S. until the late 1980s. Mm-hmm. The footage from the cage was used in the only TNG two or TOS two parter, the Menagerie, which was a first mid first season episode. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. No. It's 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 pretty cool uh, and weird and strange that that's you know the cage is such a relevant part of Star Trek's history now. It's referenced in Discovery even, and yes. um, to, to think back on the fandom and go, wait, this didn't air till like 20 something years after it was filmed. What the heck? Right. Go, go find yeah, it. The, the original it. series was wonky <clears throat> a little bit. Just how yeah. they, how they, the chrono chronological aspect of it. But what well, was, how um, it was aired was, was messed up because, uh, they, they aired the third episode that was produced, which was a man trap. And then uh, they, they just, that first half of the season, they jumped around a little bit. So where No Man Has Gone Before, which was the pilot, the, the second pilot, which was the one with William Shatner um, in it, I believe was the third or fourth to air. So, yeah, mm. it's messed up. But yeah, hey, early, the early Star Trek had a lot of... Yep. <clears throat> weird things about it because it was like nothing had ever been done like it so yeah um, the cultural zeitgeist around it was like just absorbing this like universe that these Mm -hmm. characters lived in and trying to understand it so you know um, i was i was putting it else else into context like i started watching babylon 5 and in doing so i go into the babylon wiki and i start reading about the history of babylon 5 and mm-hmm. babylon 5 came out a year after ds9 so 1994 mm-hmm. and i was reading things about it and reviewers and critiquers were talking about at the time saying that finally there's another franchise that can break into uh the sci-fi on television 
role that Star Trek has owned for yeah. almost 30 years. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Like there, there was, there was barely any sci-fi on television mm-hmm. before TNG just kind of like cracked open the door. You had some Doctor Who, you had some, you know, some other Battlestar Galactica. Then Star Wars happened. Star Wars, but that was on, that was on theater. Right. But still it was, it was in the media, the cultural media. Right. And and the article was like exclusively about sci-fi on TV. Mm -hmm. And so there, you know, you had a little bit of Knight Rider, but nothing had the, the, the appeal of Star Trek until B5 came out. And I'm just like, that is, that's a really cool legacy to have. Yes. Yeah. I've never watched Babylon five. I probably should. Um, Bruce Boxlight. <laughs> yeah, but this isn't a Babylon Five podcast. This is Wait. a Star Trek podcast. Yeah. If it was a Babylon Five podcast, Murphs Thirty Three would be here. Yes, yeah. yes, he would. our beloved Murphs. <laughs> um, okay, are we ready to get in? We're ready. Let's do it. the episode because we, we have a lot to talk about today. Are we doing our spoiler alert? Yeah, Dag, take it away. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, everything that you see and hear from this point on is going to be a nasty spoiler for the episode. So if you Stay. haven't seen it yet, too bad. I'll watch it, then come back and hang out. <laughs> so we open up with a um, s- basically like, like a hissing sound as the ship is flying <laughs> through space, which I thought was hilarious. Um, we go into the uh, the bunk area. We see Boimler talking about how each warp core sounds and Mariner starts to debate with him about it. And as someone who loves ambient noises and, and I have like an entire YouTube mm-hmm. playlist of like all the ambient noises you could ever imagine, um, especially stars, starship and starbase ones. Um, this was a beautiful scene. And Tendi's like, oh, we doing the warp core noises now? <laughs> She's so cute. Uh, so they're doing like this weird culty kind of thing where they're like humming uh, this, like the hissing sounds. And Ransom comes up and he's like, um, Ransom, on deck 11. This is <laughs> security, we need security down here. Something weird's going on. He attacks Boimler and the hissing stops and you can oh, kind of hear man. the ambient sound of Mariner's like, oh yeah, it is a little more high-pitched. So that's <laughs> the, the opening scene. I just, I wanted to find an episode where it's like, did something happen where somebody was like <laughs> on the show and like Ransom could have been a background character. It's like, I know what this is, stop it. I think right. he's hyper vigilant. He's like a very vigilant, <laughs> very protective XO, um, you know, Worley wants to just make sure everything is on a five by five on the up and up. So I, I, I like the reference where they're doing the hissing that uh, I think it was point where I said, no, that's the enterprise D at warp four. Yes. <laughs> and they also reference uh, Voyager too. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. People will be asking, how does Rutherford know what Voyager sounds like? Mm. Well, I'm sure, you know, they take those ambient noises in the, in the 24th century. They use that for um, sleep. You know, for sleep therapy, <laughs> listening to Warp Course, just like oh, we do yeah. now. Period. You, you can listen to 10 hours of the Enterprise D Warp Core while you're sleeping. Oh, God. <sighs> Perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's there's great. like nighttime Warp Core, like night shift videos on YouTube. You should yeah. check them out. They're, they're amazing. Just, yeah, exactly. Just a sidebar. Shout out to all of those people that Watney just mentioned for taking the time to upload those things because it's really, 
It's just yeah. a symphony for my ears. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like it's a three hour, it's at minimum like a two hour video for most mm-hmm. of these and they don't run any ads on them because it obviously disrupts the immersion. So right. thank you right. for not doing that for letting us have nice things. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Uh, we pop over to the title sequence after this again, always beautiful. And then we go to the bridge of the Cer- Cerritos. 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 Shax is giving us a log here. Start at five, seven, six, six, three point nine. They have their standoff with Drukmani scavengers who are claiming salvage on Starfleet, a hundred year old Starfleet cargo. Shax is like, I want to fire. And she's pulling a wharf on him, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, wharf gets shut down every time he wants yeah. to shoot something. <laughs> yeah. And um, the Drukmani are like, we found it. It's ours. All of it is ours. And she's like, no, we can offer you a finder's reward for it. And the guy's like, no. So they start tractor beaming it. And then she's like, well, I want to activate our tractor beam. And look at this shot. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to me. Just them fighting over it. Yeah, beam, it's tug a of tug war. of war, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Just an extension of your of your body, almost in space, <laughs> as you're like pulling. It's like, no, I want it. No, I want it. Yeah, I love um, the, the expression of dissatisfaction here on the bridge. With um, you've got the chief engineer, the captain, Shax, and Ransom, and they're all just like. I'm not impressed. <laughs> Ransom always has that look on his face. It's always like a little, just like uptick of an eyebrow and like a little heavy lidded eye. Like he's just kind of skeptical. Skeptical of, of everything, everything he sees. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to go with what the captain wants, but at some point in this episode, he does kind of break and he's like, we should fire. But anyway, chief engineer is wholesome as always. Look at him. Beautiful. <laughs> So uh, just as the, the call out, you can see I've got the captain of the Drukmani ship over my shoulder, mm-hmm. and he's got a very distinctive eye patch going on, and his voice mm-hmm. actor is J.G. Herchler, who played Martok with an eye patch. Oh, so, beautiful. That was super cool. Just a, yeah. great, just a great little little tidbit there. Yeah, it was good hearing his voice again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was like, I was in the kitchen and I was making something and I stopped and I was like, oh, it's him. Yeah. Write <laughs> 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 that down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was a very interesting fellow in this episode. He ends up cussing out the captain later. Which, which is, was hilarious. Yeah. It was funny, but it was bleeped out. So, you know, which, cussing in we... Star Trek, but not not really <laughs> well, like we talked uh, for about all those people episodes. that are pissed at Picard <laughs> yeah well but it's we talked about that uh, a few episodes back of our reviews was, was that um, animated when you're bleeping that out that's like it kind of goes with it that that's something that's already been done with animated shows kind of as a joke so it's it's accepted but you do that in a live action show then it's jarring because it's like that that doesn't fit <clears throat> because um, that that was something I I talked about the uh, I believe our first episode like well okay well why would they do it in Discovery and Picard but bleep it in Lower Decks and I think it's because of the animated nature that's kind of an accepted practice and Isn't if, that if a Rick anything, and Morty thing I think it mm, I mean I would say yes I I don't think that they originated it 
I think it's no, a South Park thing. Oh, Probably yeah, yeah. I just mean like it's Mike McMahon, so... Oh, okay. Was if there was cussing in Rick and Morty, it's probably mm-hmm. be cussing here. But gotcha. I don't know. I think it's fine. It adds flavor. Yep. <laughs> I like my Star Trek season. Thank you. Like it's um, seasoned and flavored. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the yeah. captain says something like, "Our ship is the most prepared and and vigilant." And then we cut to home fry doing a uh, cantaloupe puree <laughs> oh, God. Gu- 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 that, that's their version of a keg stand it's, it's like yeah a keg stand or, or at a fast food restaurant with someone just sticking their head under mm-hmm. the cereal the the soda vendor it's like it's gonna be a he's setting a record or something mm-hmm. mariner's like cheering for him and she bumps into tendy not tendy to taana the chief yeah. medical officer who's pissed that she has nacho cheese in her fur now she's eating jalapeno she's nachos like, say the little yeah. jalapenos on the nachos and cheese sauce. oh it looks good honestly um Aren't and those bad for cats you're not supposed to feed them jalapenos she's not a, she's a cation which are felines Although Fletcher does say she's just a cat in a coat later, but yeah. he comes in. Uh, so, so Tana's like, I've heard about you, Mariner. Why don't you go work on Starbase 80? And then like, there's a, <gasps> and then some guy in the background's like, damn, Starbase 80. <laughs> I love And she's that. like, you yeah. didn't have to bring that into it. She's like, um, and Fletcher steps in and he's like, hey, uh, here's a warm towel, doctor. And uh, how about some fresh nachos? And she's like, thanks. At least someone respects rank around here. Fletcher then consoles. He saves the day here. Um, he's, he basically is trying to stop like stop people from getting in trouble. He's and we learned that like situations. diffuse situations. He's trying to take the blame off of somebody else. And we learn that that ends up being like a major character flaw with Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it's basically his whole character. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he's gotten through this entire season without being mentioned before, given the trouble that he stirs up. But um he says, "There's a bit." He says, "She's just a cat in a coat. Don't worry about it." There's a baseline of goodness to everybody in Starfleet, and um, you know, it's kind of wholesome. We we he we, he gets set up as this guy yeah. who's like gonna come in and save the day, and he's super cool, and everyone likes him. And Mariner's like convinced he's great, and Boimler apparently went to the academy with him or something. So yeah, um, it, it, you're 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 very right. It's it's very cool how they like they set this character up. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching it, you're like, something's wrong here. <laughs> right. This guy's getting a little too much screen time. There's going to be something wrong with him. Brand new guy. He's got a name. Never heard of him before. He's getting set up to be this really great guy. And something's wrong. Not here. part of the four, the group right. of four, right. which we are learning. There's a clicks forming within the click. So Mariner and Boimler are becoming very good friends. Mm-hmm. And Tendi and Sam are becoming <clears throat> very good friends as well. So... Um, well, it's like in we, TOS when Kirk and Spock and McCoy would beam down somewhere with some random redshirt guy. Guess who's dead before the title sequence? <laughs> <laughs> or shortly um, after. <laughs> no, very, very true. Um, so after this scene, well, it's the same scene, really. With Tendi, Tendi gets a taco salad. I don't even remember what Rutherford's eating. Oh, he's eating a burger. The taco salad just looked so good. I was like, yeah, focusing uh, on that. But how does animated food make me so hungry all the time? Um Sam's like, what do you think's in the cargo? Is it gonna be 
bunch of frozen princesses, blah, blah, blah. We get to go out there and spacewalk and find out. And Tendi's like, I have a horrible secret. I'm a monster. I didn't actually pass. <laughs> I shouldn't have passed my spacewalk unit at the academy. <laughs> And Sam's like, but I have a holiday program just for that. I'll you want to do it? She's like, yeah, why didn't I think about that? I've um, got, I've got an observation I wanted to point out when you were done. With oh, sure. Sorry, no, 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 go ahead. Uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate that in these uh, uh, cafeteria, well, I know it's not cafeteria, but where they're, they're eatery scenes, that they are eating food that we can relate to. That was something that I think we've we've talked about several times before in regards to certain things or acts or behaviors that seem like they would be out of place for the 24th century. However, when you're talking about making something relatable to today's audience, uh, in, in TNG and in DS9 and Voyager, everyone, people were usually always eating these made up, you know, futuristic, whatever kind of, kind of stuff. But with lower decks, you get taco salad, cheeseburger, sushi, uh, poutine, tacos, yeah, and nachos. So it's something that you can relate to. Now, now who's to say that they're not going to have, right, right. Pudding (laughs) cup. I mean, who, who says that in the 24th century that there will be no such thing. Mac and cheese with bread on top. Yeah. Yeah. Can't replicate I, I, yeah, I just I just wanted to, to say that how much I appreciate the fact that um, they're going with things that we can relate to instead of some odd, strange, weird 24th century noodle or something. Yeah, like a I'm, Vulcan, like Vulcan recipe or something. Right. Yeah, some yeah. foamy soup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's like, sure. There's like space things like space shovels and space hoes and everything. But, um, at the end of the day, everyone likes a burger. Now, when you say space hoes, you are talking about. I knew it's going to happen. You can interpret that however you want. (laughs) Are we talking about, are we talking about cryo frozen princesses now? Was that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that's a reference to. I was looking that up. I'm like cryo frozen princesses. It's a new thing. It's not a reference. How about that? It's a new thing. that's, That's totally fine. I was just thinking like. With uh, with uh, Bill and Ted three coming out, a reference to the princesses who were born in the 1500s who now are in the 21st century. That's where I was like going well, with that. Well, sorry, they I did not mean frozen. I didn't mean to derail us talking about 24th century thoughts. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, why yeah, take a sip? So, um, so we go down to the corridors with Mariner, Boimler, and. Fletcher, and they're basically reworking the isolinear cores mm-hmm. that basically control systems on the ship. Um, they're like, God, this is so tedious. I didn't think a core would be a bunch of little things. I thought it would be <laughs> one thing, which is really funny. <laughs> because and if you're a lower decks officer, you're going to be doing the tedious work. Like the a core to a senior officer is one big thing, but a core to oh look, she's got a Jordy yep. visor. Yeah, that right. also has a Jordy visor. Now, do you um, think that that the whole thing with the core, the multiple cores, like I thought it would be one big core, not several cores, may have been a tongue in cheek reference to Star Trek 2009, where the Enterprise to uh, to escape that 
uh, red matter created black hole anomaly, Scotty Rickman is uh, ejecting the warp core and he ejects the core and suddenly you see uh, a behind view of the ship of the Enterprise and there's these several like, you know, cores shooting, shooting out. It wasn't just one. There were mm. like several mm. cylinder type things. You remember that? Well, well, Kurtzman was on 2009, so maybe. Okay. Just wondering. That would be just a really, a really interesting tongue in cheek. Yeah, you're not wrong because in Insurrection, when they launched the core, it was just one core. Yeah. But in 2009, they launched the core and it's like, three or four objects floating behind (laughs) yeah and and even in like real like reality on earth like if you have nuclear power plants the core is a reference to a group of like it's these um long cylinder pillars that all sit in the core so Mm -hmm. it's not just the a core is like core meltdown is like all of those meltdown at once Mm -hmm. um but collectively, they're a core. Yes, yes. A collective yeah. core instead of a singular core. We are the Borg. F- a singular physical core, right? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, these are these are parts in a whole. Yep. So... So I know that that we're gonna we're gonna move forward here and talk about for a sec, but I wanted to call back to the holodeck stuff that Rutherford brings up when he's talking to to Tendi at the mm-hmm. bar. Because he mentions all of these holodeck references. He references Einstein, Cyrano de Bergerac, Da Vinci, Sigmund Freud, Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, Stephen Hawking, and Socrates. And with the exception of one of these, and, and dubiously a second one, these are all holodeck characters that have been referenced um, in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, three of them are kind of questionable. Cyrano de Bergerac was a play that Barkley was in for Crusher. Robin Hood was not a holodeck program. It was a dimensional realm that Q invented for the TNG crew. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. For the episode Cupid. I don't remember Socrates being in any holodeck episode. Hmm. But Einstein, we got twice Mm -hmm. and and degree in descent. Da Vinci with uh, in Voyager. Uh, Sigmund Freud in that uh, cellular peptide cake with mid frosting episode where Data has the dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, of course, Data's alter ego. Uh, and then again, Stephen Hawking in Descent, part one. That's going to bother me about <clears throat> Socrates, but I, I, if he was a, a holodeck program, most likely, I want to say it was probably in Next Generation, because your your Renaissance character of note in Voyager was usually Da Vinci. <clears throat> so, uh, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I I can't play Socrates. Yeah, I I feel like I'd remember, but mm-hmm. it's cool because not everything has to be a reference. Well, True. like Socrates was a basically a figment of like plato's imagination wasn't he or was that a different philosopher like plato socrates to us is like a real person that existed but we really only see him referenced in plato's work as someone he talks to to bounce ideas off of he's not an actual like historical person other than the fact that he exists as a character in plato's philosophical works 
I was not prepared to discuss ancient philosophy. I'm and sorry I don't have to my bring it up, but that might be a reference, maybe to that. I don't know. Like, um, unless and, and listeners, I couldn't be having a smooth brain moment. Please let me know if I'm thinking of a different, um, I'm a different having, philosopher. I'm having a, a an, an Avengers Endgame moment. Going, wait, Bill and Ted was bullshit, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't mean to blow your mind. Or anything um although i do have some th- some information later that i think would be it's very interesting and kind of nerd out about when we get into the holodeck so okay cool um, i think that's a good segue to go into the holodeck yeah so uh tendy and sam step into the holodeck and um rutherford's like training beta 3.5 or something 2.5 i don't know uh so we we get to meet badgie who is basically um the clippy which clippy for maybe Gen Zers is um, Clippy was a 19 late 90s early 2000s um, little paperclip uh, character that Microsoft Office had as like an assistant, basically a virtual assistant within Microsoft Word to help guide you through using Word. So uh, and Clippy is like very memey. He was like a very one of the very first memes, I think. So, yeah. um, he's like the he was like the, the the mascot, I would say, for Microsoft Office for a while. But Badgie's the version of a version of Clippy, uh, basically a virtual tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have enough uh, enough processing power uh, allocated to him to do all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what do you want to do? He's basically like the UI for the program that Sam is coding. So, uh, and, and Rutherford, Sam Rutherford coded this himself. Um, we, we load up, um, we load up basically a a galactic view in space where he's going to teach Tendi how to, uh, spacewalk. And, uh, Sam mentions that it wasn't too hard. It's mostly a hobby, but the gravitational waves were tricky. Uh, and I want to talk about gravitational waves for a second. <laughs> oh, okay. So gravitational waves are created when something massive happens in the universe. Um, we know gravitational waves to be caused by things like two black holes merging together. And when this happens, the gravity around and inside black holes is so severe, severely different from elsewhere that when two black holes collide, um, it creates this huge wave throughout the universe. And like billions of years ago, two black holes collided. We know that this happened and uh, it it went through galaxy after galaxy. And eventually 50,000 years ago, when humans were starting to walk upright, it entered the Milky Way galaxy. This wave did. And about 30 years ago, well, a hundred years ago, Einstein predicted that these types of waves existed. Mm-hmm. And 30 years ago, humans decided we're going to build basically the most, uh, sensitive flashlight to be able to detect this. Mm. So in two locations on the planet, there are these observatories called LIGO, which stands for Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. So they're basically like four kilometer long beams of light that when a grav wave passes through them, 
it it causes like a disruption in protons. So you can actually sense the gravitational wave passing through Earth. Mm-hmm. And this gravitational wave I was talking about created by these black holes billions of years ago, the LIGO was constructed on Earth in 2015. And we detected this wave that was passing through this universe like a month later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that bonkers? Like while dinosaurs like rose and fell and humans started to walk, this wave was coming towards earth. And then we evolved just to the point where we could start to detect these things. And then it passed earth like a month later. Isn't that nuts? That's insane. Just thinking of that is, is just anytime I think about how massive the universe is and and everything else, it's just, I have this existential crisis. Like it's impossibly, (laughs) it's it's just, it's impossibly large. Like I, I, you know, you hear that just in this galaxy alone, there's billions of stars. I just, I can't put my head around. Yeah. Yeah. And and the force of this wave created was more powerful than all the stars in the universe combined. Jesus. But by the time it got to earth, it was so diluted that these only these it's called LIGO. Only these mm-hmm. facilities could detect it. And it was like the minute shifting of protons. And you can look it up. It sounds like a bloop, yep. like on a, on a frequency. It's like amazing to me. Oh, so when, like, when oh. Sam says stuff like the gravitational waves were tricky, I really appreciate that. <laughs> and I think, and I think that that's a direct reference to LIGO, which is mm-hmm. like a huge accomplishment. It's basically a way of observing the universe. That's not a telescope. It's through like frequencies. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. So yeah, thank you for uh, humoring Ooh. me. As oh, I that's way cool. Cause like, <laughs> I, I think about like coincidence and timing a lot. Like if you're driving down the street, the cars that are next to you are only there because you left your house at a specific time. Mm-hmm. And, and that one time, that you had to go back and pick up your keys or you left something at home and now you're back on the road again and something weird happens or something cool happens. It happened because you forgot the stuff. And it's just like, I love that kind of like timing thoughts. The mindset. So it's like, we yeah. just built this really cool, amazing, super expensive, gigantic LIGO observatory. And oh, by the way, a month later, we discovered the most amazing gravitational wave in the history of the universe. Yeah, it's picked up a lot of other waves since then. But the fact that the most massive wave that we've detected was detected a month after like the eyeballs opened mm-hmm. to be able to see it was is mm-hmm. crazy to me. And uh, part of my I guess my philosophy, like in my spirituality is that I believe the universe, we are the universe observing itself. And so the universe is putting on a show for itself for us. And so that's why things like this happen is you open your eyes and the universe says, Hey, this exists. And I think that's like pretty beautiful. It is because yeah. that got me thinking as to what were the sequence of circumstances <clears throat> since the dawn of time that enabled me to be able to see two DeLoreans on the highway at the same time, almost mm-hmm. next to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's impossible. Carl, Carl Sagan actually predicts that. He predicts says, he what, says seeing two DeLoreans on the highway? Yeah, he, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. First, Watney, okay. I appreciate that you, that you quoted him when you said the universe observing itself. That's, that's a Sagan quote. Okay. I mean, maybe you didn't actually quote him. Maybe you and him came to those ideas separately. But well, I, I think you know, like maybe that is it's like a maybe I heard it from Sagan at one point, but I also think like the idea of the universe kind of saying like, Hey, this fucking flower, look at this flower. 
Like this exists and it has meaning because you're seeing it right now. Like that's, that's really, I think where, what I, what I feel is like maybe different. I don't know. Well, and for those wondering why I'm making a big deal about DeLoreans, it, it real quick, it's the, the car from back, back to the future. And, uh, but it's a vehicle that you do not commonly see like ever the people can go through entire lifetimes, not see it aside from in this movie as they right. for some reason or other, they're rare. So to see two at the same time like that is super rare. And mm -hmm. I was going to get to my point about Carl Sagan predicting that he has a quote that says, in order to have an apple pie, you need a universe. Mm -hmm. So in order to have DeLoreans, you need a universe. And then we can start talking about how you get all the ingredients for that and such like that. But it's a cool quote. Okay. I dig it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so badgy. <laughs> We're stuck contemplating the existence of, of the universe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We must move on or we will be philosophical all day. Back to, back to tiny lower decks. <laughs> Special uh, lower decks. So, so did you say he kicked Badgie already? Um, he kicked Badgie. He kicks Badgie right up, right before he fist pumps here. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Badgie's got that like, <laughs> look on his face yeah he is having he's he's currently evolving <laughs> um or devolving who knows uh so they get the spacewalk running and we head back over to the lounge where uh boimler and mariner are leaving the choo-choo dance which became the choo-choo-choo dance and it was very beautiful and it made them cry and boimler got to make eye contact with one of the zebulon sisters which took his breath away and then they come up across uh oh and mariner and boimler have like a little bonding moment here like hey like I think it'd be like, you know, like we're getting along. Wow. It's weird mm -hmm. or something like yeah, that. You're not um, annoying all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, they find Fletcher who's, who creates kind of a mystery here that, uh, yeah, a black and white flashback. Um, someone, uh, someone stunned him and stole the isolinear core and Boimler's like, Oh shit, this is going to affect the shields. If the, um, if, if the bridge finds out or if, if the bridge needs shields repaired, they're going to find out that the core is missing. Something won't work. The core basically controls the auto repair of the shield system. Mm -hmm. Fletcher's like, they're Fletcher's like, guys, I don't know what happened. I just woke up and now I'm talking to you like this. And Mariner's like, we got to think about who would do this, who has bad intentions and also knows the system in and out. And they're like, Delta shift. Did you suspect him at this point? No, no, I didn't. No, I, I really didn't. See, I, when he when they walk towards him and he's like, oh, man, I'm so disoriented. I'm like, OK, that's not something that you just say. OK, there's something wrong with this guy. That's hmm. my brain keyed on that. OK, but you were already suspicious. I was just, I was already suspicious when when he did that. And I was like, man, this is this is a little too his his words are like, man, I'm so disoriented. And oh, now I'm talking to you. And it's like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. bad writing or he's trying too hard I'm yeah with trying too hard um he <laughs> at this point i thought a q did it no i'm kidding <laughs> q <laughs> yeah. um yeah so um they they basically decide to go talk to delta shift here 
and um Fledger freaking out. Yeah. And and then they're like, who could have done this? Delta Shift. We get our second reference to Delta Shift here from Lower Decks. And we we learn why they reference them because they go up to them and they're like, Oh, look who it is. Shouldn't you be doing this and this and this? They go to the bunks and they <laughs> yeah. they um yeah. Man, there's a lot of uh Mariner walks in Ar- Arthur fisting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's angry. Wasn't she always um, angry? Just <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe oh, not. That dude but... has an eye patch. I just noticed that. That's cool. Yeah. So Delta Shift is giving them shit, and Mariner's like, trust me, I don't like us being awake at the same time either. It feels wrong, but we need to figure out who did this. And they're like, are you accusing us of assaulting Fletcher? And Fletcher's like, tell us tell us where the core is, or Mariner's going to bleep your bleep off. <laughs> I can only assume... I have no idea. Rip your <laughs> nose off or something. No, <laughs> so mad. He's very emotionally unstable. Um, like, look at Boimler and and they're like embarrassed. Mariner in the background of this shot. You've got in the foreground. You've got Delta Shift members, and then very prominently you have Fletcher, who's just angry. And then in his back, sort of faded in the background, you've got Boimler and Mariner, who are both have like super worried. Do you are over? Woeing it. Uh, and I just, I kind of appreciate that, you know, inconsistence with what we're talking about, how they were like bonding before this all happened and being like, oh, you're not as annoying. And oh, yeah, it's cool not to be like mad at you all the time. That they're just sort of unified in their, their emotional response to what's happening here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did think there's something out of, play, out of place with how Fletcher was acting. He got real aggressive real angry pretty pretty quickly like it wasn't someone this has point, got I, a guilty conscious yeah at this point i did start to think like this isn't right mm. like it's you're they're going in circles a little bit and um so he rips his shirt or he pulls his shirt which is apparently the universal sign that don't open your flap don't open your up. flap yeah <laughs> and then delta up. shows like it. what are you talking about we were at the choo-choo dance with you i cried mm-hmm. too and i saw you cry <laughs> wow you totally were there i like yeah. opening the flap of the starfleet uniform is your your sign of we're about to throw it down you want to go? Yeah, time to square up. <laughs> square up. <laughs> well, it's not like it's not like you guys can be like, "I'll meet you outside," because outside's death. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just outside leave the starship for a fight. <laughs> yeah, let's take this to the holodeck. It's <laughs> pretty cute. Uh, so, so, they're, so they're like, "Well, if you guys were there, it can't be you, Fletcher. What else do you remember?" And he's doing this like. <laughs> like finger pointy thing. I don't yeah. think maybe it was like, but he's like, I don't know. I don't even yeah. remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're like, Hey buddy, uh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. This is a really cool scene because they're down talking about this whole ordeal about the core. And then the ship shakes. And the, as the ship shakes, we go to the bridge. It's a great segue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, Freeman's like these guys are lucky. I'm so ethical and considerate. <laughs> they keep throwing cargo into the shields and shacks. It's like something's wrong with the shields. The power systems are fucking up or something. Mm-hmm. Like the the shields are are down to like their fifty percent or something right, like that. They shouldn't be falling this fast. 
Yeah. Um, you get I some just, great I external love these views. exteriors. And yeah. you know what's really weird is the nacelles all look like lightsabers to me. Oh, they do. <laughs> all the nacelles floating around. I'm just like, ooh, lightsaber, lightsaber, lightsaber. Oh, oh the, the cargo nacelles or something. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. yeah. When they're just like, there's some cool ones that are floating around in the. Okay. That was ship. What background. was the ship number? NCC 502? Correct. NCC 502. Do we know what ship that is? Is that a ship we know of? Um, it is not a classification that I found in uh memory alpha um it's only referenced in this uh this episode ncc 502 um but it is a antares type uh spaceship uh that was presented in the uh the uh the original series remastered episode the ultimate computer it was also featured in a couple of um, animated episodes. So we do know what ship it is. Well, the not the particular designation, but the class. Okay. The, okay. the, the class, so, but not that ship. Right. Well, I don't know what NCC 502 was, but the Antares style oh, the freighter style was in those episodes. Was in, yeah, we have Ooh, Char- Charlie X, Court Martial, The Ultimate Computer, and then last scene in the animated series episode, More Trouble, More Tribbles. It would be like seeing a, the NCC 1704 and knowing that it was one of the Constitution classes, <clears throat> like the Enterprise, but not what exactly that ship was called. Right. Um, so something is wrong with the shields and the power systems. And then we shift back over to the holodeck. Um, I do like how Freeman is like calling out the, the like priorities of Starfleet. I need to be ethical. I need to be secure. And then she just like, she just goes through them very expositionally. Mm -hmm. They don't have weapons They're which is weird. Lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to throw space garbage at you. <laughs> um, right. So back to the holodeck. Yeah. Uh, Tendi and Sam start to have issues with Badgie at this point. The safety protocols fail. Um, the uh, Basically, Tendi starts to get scared and Sam is like, Badgie, fix this or whatever. And he's like, uh sure and then he bumps into him and he's like sorry i didn't mean to hit you he turns around <laughs> and pushes him Thanks that's where you me. see the scene behind me here is after he gets pushed yeah yeah and um sam's like what are you doing T- badgie and badgie's like ah! he attacks him <laughs> um basically just goes completely nuclear rips a hole in his suit then they they change the scene to a uh bajoran market put on some clothes and then <laughs> he's really gnashing at that suit too this well, is and, like... and the safeties were were disabled due to the uh, power re- power rerouting from um non-critical systems right so for some reason that meant yeah. that the holodeck safeties were part of that non-critical System. Which you got to make sure nobody's in the holodeck before this shit starts happening. Otherwise, I, I you're going to be, otherwise, Badge is going to be wearing your skin. Yes. Yeah. Right. They're, right. they're like really, says. yeah, there really ought to be some kind of failsafe that's like, 
if a holodeck is initiated, cut power to the holodeck entirely to reroute it for emergency stuff. Instead of the damn safety protocols. <laughs> and, it's and a that's, plot device. Right, that's yeah. where I go off on my tangent of like, where are the hard lines on a starship? Like every time there's a, there's some kind of crazy holodeck problem, everyone's like, oh no, we can't do anything. Holodeck controls have been locked out. I'm like, unplug the fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody rip a hole in the deck, find the conduit that the power cable for that particular holodeck, get an ax and chop it up. <laughs> right. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> that you've got a very good point. Where, where are the hard lines? Because that was uh, that you reminded me of the scene in Transformers, the first Michael Bay Transformers, where that uh, Decepticon was hacking into the systems on that on that base. Uh, they mm -hmm. were they were getting locked out, and the uh, you know the officer in charge uh, cut the hard lines, you know, so that he gets an axe and they go to the you know the, the hard lines of just all the power and everything, like yeah. they just start chopping. And and you're right, I would like to see. That where where is that part? Uh, where, well, where are the hard lines? I'll tell you on a starship. Yeah. Why they don't do that? Because breaking immersion is worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. not wrong. Let's not break immersion. <laughs> well, uh, Dag, if you, if if you like the whole just unplug the damn thing, uh, and, and for our listeners, go on YouTube and look up um, two idiots one keyboard. Is that what it is? It, it's the scene from NCIS where um, there's there's this. If you're in IT, like you know it because it's the cringiest scene ever. They're getting hacked, and you know there's two people working the keyboard, like just a standard keyboard, which you don't do. That doesn't do anything. Like there's no teamwork on one keyboard, and there's all this like you know hacky screens and stuff like that happening. It's just this all, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's freaking out and. Um, uh, Mark Harmon character just he unplugs the computer and he's standing there with the, the cord, but they're all freaking out trying to like block the hack and he unplugs the damn thing. So, yeah, we need uh, hard lines. Unplug it. <laughs> for those uh, for those listening, I want to point this out because um, what we have is Rutherford. His suit is leaking. Him and Tendy have bounced through their holographic debris field and they're hiding behind a pod. And the pod you can see here has the uh, uh, what's, the medical what's the catechist, right? Oh, okay. And uh, it's just so this is like a medical pod, and I'm like, is this a cryopod? Is there a princess in there? Did Rutherford program this? Oh, <laughs> oh. this is a really weird oh. holodeck program. Yeah, it's really weird. But at least Tendy learned how to spacewalk. Yeah. Uh, very quickly. Oh, we, we didn't even we didn't even we didn't even mention the fact that they locked space boots. Yes, their magnetic really boots yeah. got too close. Which is very boots. cute. Very romantic. Very cute. Yeah. yeah. Nice way to force people to play footsie. Spacesuits win again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not the crippling fear of a death by Clippy around them or anything so but. when 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 he's talking to to tendy back at the bar and he's like all you have to do is like what was it float and magnet float and magnet yes. float mm -hmm. and magnet yeah. i it reminded me of if anybody has seen uh spider-man into the spider-verse mm -hmm. when alternate dimension peter parker is trying to teach miles how to 
do a web swing and he's like all right it's it's really really simple you know and they're in a they're in a similar like crisis situation thwip and swing and thwip and swing it's just like <laughs> that i was hearing that when, when weatherford was saying that so i'm like ah cool float and magnet float <laughs> Just to let you guys know that this is not the first Star Trek romance to start in spacesuits stranded in space. So I think there might be something there. You know, Blana Taurus and Tom Paris, mm -hmm. they uh, went on a shuttle to retrieve the uh, Jack oh, Warp Warp Voyager. And mm -hmm. yeah, and that's where they first uh, pronounced their true feelings for each other. And, Sorry. and I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to talk about Lieutenant uh, Hawk and Captain Picard in First Contact. I'll stop it. Romance. God, Badgie. I know. This is so... He, uh, violent in Star Trek. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so they go to the Bajoran market and there's a Bajoran temple, of course. So they start running up the holy Bajoran stairs. Um, and then we cut to the bridge. Ransom is like, we need to give them a fight. They're they're attacking us. We need to fight them. And Shax is like, I want to fire on the warp core. And the captain's like, nah, evasive action, Sulu Alpha. Sulu. Sulu. Yeah. Uh, so Shax, again, is very much like Worf in this episode. And Ta'ana's like do doing double time up on the behind Shax and the uh on the on the control panels up there. So um that's so Captain's cool. like, we're not going to fight him. We're not going to fight you. The Dormani, what's the... The Dor Drukmani. Drukmani. He's like, trying to avoid being hit is fighting or something <laughs> like that. And she, she's like, we can talk this out. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, I wonder how long Herzler has been waiting to swear on Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's all he had to do for this one. He didn't have to do, you know, three hours of makeup in the chair. He just had to show up to a voice box. Mm -hmm. Oh, we get to see the trill. <sighs> yeah. The trill that didn't care about the diagnostic on the on the door. Mm -hmm. Um so they do the lean. They do the shake and lean again. Um they keep getting basically assaulted by cargo. We we jump down to the hallway once again with Fletcher. And um, they're trying to discover, they, they're trying to figure out who is on the ship that could have done this. And Fletcher's like, you have to go tell the captain or something that this happened. And Boimler's like, I'm not going to go to the captain without proof that there's an intruder. So we need to do a scan of the ship. Mm -hmm. And so they go to the bunks to grab their tricorders and begin the scan. And we come to, to see that the core that's missing is under a sheet under Fletcher's in Fletcher's bed. Because the sheet is going like, to hide that. The aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's really bad at lying. I mean, uh -huh. and then he, he starts saying like, I'm the worst. I'm slime, stupid Fletcher. He's really annoying. I get like <gasps> cringe secondhand embarrassment mm -hmm. watching him. Um, he comes to, to basically tell them that I needed to, when you guys left for the choo-choo dance, I was doing all this hard work by myself. And it started to get really difficult. So I knew that I needed to become smarter. And I thought I could have the computer make me smarter. And so he connects his core, the core to his brain and, and basically reroutes the neural pathway or the electrical pathways in the core 
to his neural pattern mm-hmm. and bonds with his brain. It bonds with his brain. And um, he, Boimler's like, look at that weird ass <laughs> screenshot. On the screen, you've got this, this circuit board that has rewired itself to look like Fletcher and it's twitching like he was when he was connected to the <laughs> device. What kind of, what kind of, I don't know, what kind of process thought it takes to be like, I'm going to hook my brain up to speak. Right. This is somebody who thinks I'm not going to do the hard work. I'm just going to work hard to figure out a quicker, lazier way to do it. Why spend 10 minutes on something that you could spend 10 hours automating? Right. Man, and, if and I could this... automate this presentation, it would be so much. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher basically imprinted on this core at one of the most stressful times for him. Mm-hmm. And so the core, the entire time we see it we go more and more rogue is Fletcher in that mind state 100% of the time. So that's right. why it's extremely destructive. An imprint of, of stress and frustration. Yes. Um, so they say, well, we have the core. It's fine. Mariner's had it in this scene. She's like, God. <laughs> and and he's like, you know, this was a learning experience for me. And Mariner starts to do a speech like, that's what matters. We're Starfleet. And when we make mistakes, we learn from them. And then the core becomes to life. Mm-hmm. It's like the classic, like, scene. very classic Trek monster uh, scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it starts to attack them. The core wants to be smarter now, too. So it begins assimilating pieces of technology. Yum, yum, yum. It opens up like the center. Look at the two uh, eyeballs. Congratulations, kid. You just invented like the budget Borg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. Um, the less clinically cold Borg. Right. It grabs the pad. It's, Not the pad, the beautiful pads. It's just eaten everything. It's, it's got itself wrapped in these straps too, which add to like the, the fear factor because it's got sort of that techno eldritch horror thing going on. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a lot of um, this villain from Teen Titans. Um, the good Teen Titans or Teen Titans? The good go? ones. Oh, okay. his name's Overload. Mm. Overload. He's like this chip that just becomes electrified around it, around the chip, and he can like reach out with tendrils. Oh, there's also an episode of Teen Titans called Fear Itself, where there's this like tentacle. They're they're basically in this video shop, and these the, the tapes start going like crazy, and they start like grabbing people. Mm. Oh yeah, that's a cool shot. Um, I have this sneaking suspicion, Watney, that you like hentai. You're talking about all these tentacles and how wildly and inappropriate of you to bring that up to me <laughs> right now. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, when you point a finger, there's three pointing right back at you. <laughs> True. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it just really reminded me of, I think, the villains that I've seen in other really, really successful, more adult-themed uh, animated shows. So, um, yeah, super cool. It starts just basically grabbing fucking light things from around everywhere and um, 
what is that like little spanner thing in the bottom right you see that with the antenna i think that's cool yeah just yeah some kind of like a transmitter or something i was looking at i was looking at all of these to be like were any of the uh the new t88s in here and so far i haven't seen any of them if you remember oh, the, T, the oh, t88s no. from the last episode gets <laughs> a hold of the duffel bag <laughs> right yeah it would have just been like oh there goes rutherford and tendy's joy mm-hmm. <laughs> but i didn't see any so that's good so far yeah that item that tool that you're pointing out though looks Spanner? somewhat familiar i think that that was on some i i, I can see it i can see it and see it being used I, I, I can't place when and where, but that looks like something that was used in one of the shows. With, yeah, uh, it's cool with, and purple, glowy. Thought, yeah, I thought it was some kind of like thing to scan isolinear chips that I recalled. I think that's what I recall seeing it being used for, but it's, it looks vaguely familiar. I don't know. So over here, you've got your new metric and imperial wrench. That's what that is. Is that what that is? I mean, I'm. They're I'm not joking. using. Me- oh, okay, guys. Gotcha. I'm joking. Yeah. We're finally making the transition. It looks like a, a metric and imperial wrench, just a different style. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Maybe it, maybe it's metric and Klingon imperial. Maybe that's what it is. Oh. They're measuring things in kelicams now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think everyone's using meters in in. Uh, metric at this point so this is just the, another it's just another to me this is another reference for like hey look at this the ship developed its own sentience and it's evil <laughs> it's it's yeah well and the whole time i'm thinking don't they have replacement cores they could just pop on in right you while you're looking be, for this rogue one like there should be spares there should definitely be spares of something so critical but yes. good point, Watney. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, the whole time I'm like, wow, they're never going to get that thing back. That thing is fucked. <laughs> this, this device right here, I'll point it out. Uh, and for the listeners, it just appears to be uh, a Ferengi tooth sharpener. Yeah. Yeah, it and does. see bit. that when Nog starts selling his childhood items to uh, the crew on Deuce Space Oh, that's Nine. fucking great. Look at that fucking reference. <laughs> that's insane we love references cool. yeah uh so this thing starts starts eating a bunch of other things and fletcher says he's gonna pin it on them he's gonna pin it on mariner and boimler mariner's like that's not starfleet of you <laughs> fletcher's like you break rules all the time she's like yeah i break rules that are stupid and dumb that shouldn't be there so i can do a better job i would never put anyone in danger except maybe Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> which, which she had because he almost the, got eaten by a giant spider. In the yeah, first the episode. delivery, like the delivery <laughs> of this. Um, of delivery this was perfect. Slide. Except sometimes maybe Boimler. It was so good <laughs> the way she said it. Um, but yeah, we can hop on over to the holodeck again where we're going up the Holy Bajoran stairs and um, Tendi and Sam are like, they're doing fine. They're just a little tired. And Baddie's like, this is where he kind of gets sympathetic for me. He's like, I'm going to burn your hearts <laughs> in a fire. <laughs> what, was the, I mean, what was the, th- the thought process in thinking that, well, let's, let's climb up a bunch of stairs, which would be the most physically taxing thing for us and not have any reason to believe that 
this holographic created character would experience fatigue. I mean, that's a pretty big gamble to, if if you're trying to run from something and you, you have no reason to think that it could tire out, you know, you're just kind of in this panic. Why would you want to run up stairs that, that that's i don't know I, I just thought but that was it is weird it's really weird that it, it ended up how it is but i guess mm-hmm. it's just another plot device right. but we, yeah. we could also just casually forget that badgie can fly but <laughs> no, he was he fly can... he was flying on the holodeck grid before they enacted the program and he's flying at the end of the episode inside the holodeck and he's like i'm always here he's just so flying maybe he's not exactly completely bloodthirsty maybe he's like he's he's scaring them okay you know i don't know maybe that's too deep but at he the end up... he could have he could have killed them at the end but he didn't yeah. he instead plays dumb mm-hmm. so and there's a great uh, reference that I'll bring up when we get there because it's okay. freaking amazing how cool that is. Okay. Yeah, I, we love those references. So we go uh, we go to Environment 83, a frozen hellscape to freeze Badgie out. That's the goal. Yep. So we, we see them still toiling away as we cut back to the bridge. No, um, sorry. Trying to get this to work. There you go. <laughs> you cut back to the bridge. Uh, the cargo, the shields are actually at 40% now. Auto repairs are not initiating. And the cargo is still being thrown at them. And then we zoom back hmm. down to the lower decks with Mariner, Boimler, and Fletcher. They're trying to drag the rogue core to somewhere safer. Oh, this is when Fletcher says he's, uh, well, no, no, no. This is when Fletcher says, hey, I have a great idea. He takes this sheet off. Like, this is the end-all, be-all of solutions. And they're, like, literally just touching it now. <laughs> um, he's like, we should let this thing beat us up a little bit, and then we'll see a cue showed up and caused a <laughs> yeah. And they look at each other like, okay, this is time to get this guy out of the equation. Mm. And uh, he's like, they tie up Fletcher. Um <laughs> They, she, they're like, we really need to transport this thing out before it starts doing real damage. And then they have a little moment like, hey, it's nice that we're once again working together, not fighting. Mm-hmm. We don't need, it's not all lower decks together. It's just like the cool ones at this yeah. point. Right. Um, the, the rogue core says things in this scene like, what you got? It says like, come on, bro, square up. Yeah. <laughs> and then the eyes are glowing and it's so evil. Yeah. It's and this like mummy feel to it. It is definitely a mummy. It's a it's like a oh, it's very otherworldy. So they manage to get it into an airlock and Mariner throws her tricorder in there to entice it in further. It goes in and it says, Oh, I got this. And then they close the door and it says, you don't talk about my dad <laughs> as they vent it into space yeah, towards the, thing the went crazy. Drukmani ship. It just drifts. What a cool way. shot. Yeah. And it just keeps flying to the Drukmani. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh shit, we're so getting fired. <laughs> um, it starts eating the Drukmani ship and I'm, I assume it kills them oh but But probably but yeah yeah. there's a panic because excuse me they thought they solved one issue and are about to create another (laughs) we're going to start an intergalactic war Mm -hmm. finally um 
Freeman's like, it's time to fire on their warp core shacks. And he's like, yes. And then he's like, no, weapons are down. Because um, they finally like deteriorated the shields enough to where like they need to start firing. Otherwise, they're going to take whole actual damage and they can't fire. And Tana's like, we need to get the crew into the escape, into the escape pods like right now. And Ransom's like, but wait, the other, look at the other ship. And it starts blowing up in front of them. And Shax is like, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. <laughs> yeah. And then he he kisses Ta'ana in like a moment of celebration. Yeah. I'm over here like, is can Taxa be the ship name now? <laughs> ship name. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Okay. Ta-da. All right. So Bajoran Cation relations have they're finally ba- begun. <laughs> they're they're um they're both definitely rough and tumble. Like they both yeah. are they both have scars and yep. they've just been in service a long time. Shax has really a thing good. for furries. You know? In thought. the twenty twenty whatever century, we don't care about that. He lacks what he lacks. Right. Yeah. Back over to the holodeck. Tendi and Sam are toiling awake. Uh so so Badgie's getting closer and Tendi's <laughs> like, are we are we going to be okay? And Sam's like, yeah, it's fine. Keep going. She keeps going and he turns and he's like, time to fucking fight. Mm-hmm. So he fights him. Badgie the whole time. Badgie's saying like, I'm going to slit your little green friend's throat and take a Ooh. bath in her blood. <laughs> um, look at double the hammer fist. Double. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Oof. Wow. What a screenshot. That's a hell of a right hook. Yeah. With another. It was a good then fight. He, he grabs a, a frozen icicle or an icicle and starts. <laughs> it's like horror mu- music is playing. Yeah. He's like <laughs> slashing at him. He gets uh, Sam on his back and actually stabs him. Yeah. And he keeps calling him father. Like, you can't hurt me, father, unless it's with your disappointment. <laughs> Uh, and then for some reason, the, the simulation works as intended and Badgie begins to freeze. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, when he grabbed those fingers, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why I'm thinking like he could have really killed him like yeah. immediately. So maybe he was like faking. He did stab him in the shoulder with an ice pick. Yeah, but it's not lethal. It's not like he rips a guy's head off in the Bajoran market. True. Okay. But he he twists his fucking neck, which I thought was hilarious. That was so damn funny. Easy. <laughs> All right. So right before right before he twists his neck, there's a little zoom out scene. Badgie Badgie says diplomatic immunity. That is a lethal two we- lethal weapon two reference. Yes. It, at the the conclusion of Lethal Weapon two. Um, the the villain shoots Riggs a bunch, and and Murtaugh gets to him, and he's like aiming his gun at at the bad guy, and the bad guy holds up his diplomatic credentials, and he's like diplomatic immunity, and then Murtaugh shoots him, and it's very epic, and he's like has just been revoked. It's a very badass line. But I just, so like, why would he say it then? I don't know because he's malfunctioning. I have no idea. I was Do you just think like, it's because he's now that? sentient or something, and he's like, "I'm a sentient life form, uh, so I should have like I, I, rights or something." 
I, I think, think it now, is a total meta reference. Yeah. Okay. I, I think now that we we are getting references just for the fun references. It, it doesn't have to fit because you're right. There is absolutely no reason he would say that beyond the writers saying, oh, right. hey, this would be funny if he yelled diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Because you're right. Diplomatic community. Lethal weapon and, then, and then he breaks him, like has just been revoked. No. <laughs> you think that they would like replicate some throat, like warm clothes for themselves during the start of all this? But hmm. I don't know. Hindsight's 2020. You know, you never know mm-hmm. that your own little pro- that clippy program is going to k- try and kill you. So um engineering restores main power and the simulation restarts with Badgie. So acting like it's he's completely wiped um he's he like even does that little tendy's like, like sparkle yes the sparkle and tendy's like uh don't you remember does he remember and bad like remember what what can i help you with oh <laughs> um, he's like i'll just stay here or something like i'll be here forever i'm That's always what, here yeah what a fun what a fun fun concept um uh badgie mariner and and releases fletcher as ransom arrives he's like my research chief and she's like good now shut up (laughs) (laughs) and he's like um ransom shows up yeah with security and he's like uh what's going on down here there was an unauthorized airlock ejection miss a missing computer core and somebody attacked that drugmani ship and you guys better have a fucking good answer for this Mm -hmm. and um she, Mariner steps up. She's like, "Oh, I'll tell you exactly what happened." And in true Mariner form, she gets him promoted, knowing full well he'll be transferred off the ship. I wanna, I wanna just talk about the security people that he has oh, here sure. before we go forward with the promotion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if, if you uh, at the bottom of the screenshot, the bottom right, there's an alien there who has some crests with some spots on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, a user on Twitter pointed out that that is an Antaran last seen in the Enterprise episode, The Breach. Um, they were villainized by the Denobulans uh, in the mid-19th century. The Denobulans started a war with them war. and then like <laughs> totally demonized them. And so this was an interesting way to just show that they're still around. They're mm-hmm. part of Starfleet now. And, and, and again, just another way, in my opinion, of saying we grow beyond our worst times. Right. Yep. Great callback. Yeah. He uh, gets promoted, transferred to the Titan. They, they claim they give him all the credit. <laughs> like, nope, nope, he did it. <laughs> yeah. We were just here to clean up the mess, but they, they wanted to it. get him off the ship. <clears throat> and of course, Titan, great reference to the ship that, Captain Riker took command of after Star Trek Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah. that's apparently that's Boimler's dream job. And once again, someone gets promoted. That's not him for fucking up. Yes. Yep. And he's like, ah, he had to get promoted. And Mariner's like, he's Earth problem. He's Earth's problem now. <laughs> Six days later, or no, he's the Titans' problem. Right, and then right, six days later, he calls them like, "I emptied trash into the warp core. I really got, I really, I got literally fired." Is there <laughs> any way you guys could put in a good word? 
for me <laughs> to come back to the Cerritos and um they're like no it's a cue cue's here we can't hear you you're losing you're breaking up basically <laughs> and um Mariner's like He's Earth problem, Earth's problem now. Yeah. And Boimler, Boimler says that she's very Starfleet. She's like super Starfleet. And she's like, oh, thanks, Boim Boim. And then uh, she's like, by the way, I stole the keys to the captain's yacht. <laughs> and, and it's got a, a little a, furry on it, a little tribble on it. It's got a triple <laughs> keychain. But did you notice the uh, the Live Long and Prosper? No. No. Where? The in in the screenshot that's coming up, uh, I okay. just brought it back. But uh, they do a little like, "Hey, we're cool," and they have a little live long and prosper. Oh, on I their, see that. On yeah. Their chest right here. Yeah. So yeah, on the screen, it's it's, it's like their little and Mariner. They're like, yeah, yeah. Is that how you do gang signs now in the twenty fourth century? You do the, the live long and prosper. And just... uh, it'd be a Vulcan gang sign. It's a Vulcan sure. gang sign. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> No gang size, please. No, no, peace. I love peace. It'd be out of a job with peace. <laughs> Iron Man. I like how the key to the uh, the captain's yacht is an isolinear chip. <laughs> yes. It's not like a real key. You just put the chip in and it unlocks the captain's yacht. It's, it's right. really funny to me that there's an actual key to unlock it as though your com, com badge doesn't have all your credentials in it that you wear everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like we learned in the second episode when the or maybe even in the first episode with the trill on the date that like the the doorway should should say who who is where at what time and but anyway it's a plot device yeah. i like the extended notion here that mariner stole her mom's car keys <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh you're 100 percent right yeah yeah <laughs> i just want to hear uh what's that that beach boys song about is it is it the beach boys you know and, uh well fun 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 till daddy takes the t-bird away oh so yeah yes. the, captain, the cerritos yeah. captain jod is now a t-bird head cannon accepted that's in my head now yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna get that song out all day so yep can we get a really pretty shot at the cerritos that's not pretty Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful ship um and that's that's it and she warps away that's the, the end of the episode of episode six season one of lower decks um what was it called <laughs> terminal yeah, term, terminal yep. i kept wanting to say temporal of course uh terminal provocation <laughs> you know how i like my time travel stuff it's interesting yeah. here that there are so many q references in this episode and because we know during star trek day the panels uh mike mcmahon revealed spoiler uh that q john delancey will be reprising his role as an animated q and shortly after that uh, that panel, we saw a trailer that was like the mid-season trailer for what's to come. And mm -hmm. he flashes aboard the Bridge of the Cerritos in his post-atomic horror judge uniform, the black and the red with mm -hmm. the gold embellishments. And I'm like, with all the reference to this episode, in this episode, they're priming us for what's coming. And right. so now my head is just in that space. Every time I see an episode, they start referencing things I'm like, is that going to be something that's going to recur? Because that's coming up, right? It just, feels, it just feels like the way it works. And in Rick and Morty, they do that. 
and I'm just connecting because Mike McMahon and Rick and Morty and mm. the the writers that they have selected. I mentioned this in our um, our episode zero for Lower Decks is these these writers have a strong emphasis on continuity. So I strongly feel like yeah, they're definitely just locking down that notion of yep. callbacks and and foreshadowing. Yeah, when I heard that Q was going to be in an episode of Lower Decks, I just got butterflies because yes, especially yes. with John Delancey, I mean, it's just going to be so good. I don't even care how long it is. It could be like a two minute thing, but um, it just shows up as like, hi, oh, wrong ship. Yeah. I don't even care. Like I, I love, I love John Delancey. So just, it's going to be uh, such a treat. Maybe it'll be the finale of the season. Oh, we'll that would be interesting. Just, yes, just seeing Q again. Yeah. I really, I really want the title of that episode to be Q Anonymous, just to throw it out there. Yes. Oh God, <laughs> let's not acknowledge the worst of the worst. Yeah. Uh, all um, right. So. Yeah. That's um, it. Final episode, thoughts. Episode. Um, we didn't have nearly as many like intense discussions like we had in our last episode, but it was kind sure. of a surface feeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a really well put together episode with very intriguing ABC plot lines. I felt like they were all A plot lines, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes a great episode is when things kind of come together like that. And the segues between scenes that were affecting all the characters was really, really great. Um, I feel like with every new episode, we kind of get uh, we get to know the crew a little bit more. And we get to know the bridge crew a little bit more and we get to know the the lower decks crew a little bit more and it's nice that they're not dragging out like boimler mariner tension for the entire season like oh, yes. yeah they butted heads at the beginning but they're actually developing and that's really really cool that they're not like super stuck in their in their ways but um mm-hmm. i fully expect to see their former personalities flare up at some point mm-hmm. against each other but it's nice to see that they're bonding so, uh, and then of course, uh, what's the Tendy Sam ship name? Are we doing ship names? Uh, Tendiford. Tendiford. Oh God. Tendiford. Um, <laughs> or Tenderford. Yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Tenderford. Uh, so here, here's my final thought on the episode. I, th- I think that this is exactly what I think of and, and what I picture in regards to a, uh, dynamic between the main story of of what you see a bridge crew go- bridge crew going through and what is everyone else on the ship doing during a crisis and so you've got these these characters that are uh, directly impacting the a plot so you're you're on the bridge and for some reason something's happening now typically a Star Trek episode, you know, you would you would have these things going on, but you're focused on the on the bridge crew, and it was it was nice to see that they had their own dilemma that was happening, but was tied into what caused the problems in the in the A plot. Uh, so we really get to see that perspective of what Star Trek is like when you've got your uh, your senior officers doing whatever. And at the same time, you've got your lower decks people that are 
the ones at some way affecting that outcome. Um, now they wouldn't affect the outcome of, of the mission or interaction every time, but I like the dynamic here with that. So that's my, my thought and feeling on this episode. You said it well. Yep. Thank you. Well, um, thanks for listening. And I'm going to tell you where you can find us elsewhere online. If you'd like to check out, um, a bunch of our accounts. So we, we do have a Patreon. We would love your support on Patreon. Uh, you can find us patreon.com slash beyond track. Uh, we have a Twitter run by our illustrious DAG uh, at beyond track pod. And I run our Instagram account at beyond track podcast. And we also have a Facebook. Um, you can like and follow us there. Uh, Facebook.com slash beyond track productions. And I want to give a very special shout out to two of our supporters. Um, Stephanie Baker, you support us on Patreon and anchor. Thank you so much. And Jim cook, you support us on anchor. We love you both very much. Thank you so much for the support and for your patronship. Yes. Thank you very much. And yeah, if you stuck with us this far, uh, we'll be hitting you next week with another episode review for episode seven of Lower Decks. Yes, yes. Come join us. We're going to be doing this every week. So your number one review show, right? Yeah, yeah. Come say hi online. (laughs) Until then, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe.